Hello, everyone. Hey, hey. We are back for our bonus episode. Wait, wait, wait. We've been gone for a minute, <laughs> but we're back at the jump off. At the jump off. <laughs> <laughs> for this bonus episode of our Sister Night podcast, a Watchmen podcast, where we are recapping... It's summer and we're running out of ice. Yeah. And evidently that's a reference to a line in the musical Oklahoma. Ooh. But you never saw it. And I can't remember much about it when I did, except that I thought it was super ironic for yeah. an all black cast to be performing songs from Oklahoma. I'm from New England, so it's super far from <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma. I, I've heard of it, but I haven't looked into like it. It sounds like, I don't know. <laughs> sounds like Midwest. Oh, so you took some pretty fantastic notes. Thank you. About the pilot episode. I was very impressed, you guys. It's like a little graduate thesis going on here. I'm trying. Of questions and quandaries and things that were on our mind after the initial viewing on Sunday and some Easter eggs and theories that we're going to go through. Conspiracy theories. Conspiracy some theories, of them are right. Very thin. We don't know. We're reaching. We don't know. We have some beliefs. Why not reach? IGN was all the way reaching with some of their theories. Yeah, so why can't we be like Elastigirl like, and just stretch I across guess. the universe with our theories? Yeah, we can, we can do it. Until we're wrong. <laughs> all right. So what are we going to... Oh, yeah. We were going to discuss first the Tulsa Massacre of 1921. Yes. Let's go into a little history lesson. A little bit of a history lesson. So this part of Tulsa, where black people resided, also Greenwood, was also known as Black Wall Street. Some of you may know. And if you didn't, you probably Googled it or saw something about it after the pilot episode to educate you and probably anger you when you see what happened there in a massive miscarriage of justice. Definitely wasn't taught when I was in school. How about no, you? No, no, it yeah, wasn't I actually. Heard it, yeah. I, I heard about it through just like familial means of like read these extra books for black history. Yeah. But never in an actual classroom it's setting. Also, I hear in Tulsa it's not taught. Which... Not surprising. I met someone from South Africa who said apartheid didn't exist. So Ooh. that was, I was, Ooh. and I, you can see. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It was like, okay, uh, education, uh, fix yourself. I was looking at, um, some messages and people were like, oh, I lived in Tulsa for seven years and I didn't know about this. Wow. Which is like, oh, I lived in Boston, but I didn't you know, know what? about that's revolution. That's Tulsa doing their good work. That's what they would prefer, actually. Yeah. But we I hear now at... they're starting to teach it, which right. is good. Got to start somewhere. And that brings me to what's a really cool fact about this show that we discovered and why this massacre made its way into the opening minutes of Watchmen is that basically the show creator, uh, Lindelof, who is of Lost and Leftovers fame, he had never heard of the massacre either, not surprising, until he'd read an article by Tennessee Coates in 2014 in, in The Atlantic where he was making the case for reparations and mentioned the Tulsa massacre that happened. And in an article that I read, he said that he sort of, you know, became obsessed after he found out about it and was trying to find information, which wasn't easy, of course not, because there was a concerted effort by the state and the government to make it really hard for people to discover what happened there, how many people died, what exactly went on, where are the bodies. And so I'm going to find his direct quote, but he basically said he wanted more people to know about this happening because it's important to American history. But he felt like if he did a documentary, it would sort of be like a flashbang effect. It's there. Maybe some people talk about it, but then it's gone. But a better way to keep it into the lexicon of American history and especially pop culture is to introduce it with a property like Watchmen where it's going to be unforgettable, which that's exactly what yeah, we got in opening minutes. Right. So the actual quote was, and this is after he talked about buying a book on Amazon that took, took two weeks to get to him, which you guys, if you With know about Amazon, Amazon right? Obviously, it wasn't Prime. Like it's one of those. That's yeah. that's the thing. That's how you know something is is hard to get. It's rare because you don't see the Prime button. And you're like, what? Regular shipping? Like, what oh, the heck? I, mm, I can't do that. What is that life? 
And right. So he has the quote saying, I read the book cover to cover and I said, I know that I'm not the only person out there who knows this, but I feel like this is a story that's worthy of being told. But if I just make a documentary about it, it's going to be gone in a flash. But if I actually drop the story into some piece of well-known popular culture, maybe there's a way to bring it to light. And what popular culture perfectly blends real life history with alternate history? It's Watchmen. He's right about that. And he continues with right around the time they were asking me if I wanted to do the show. And I started to kind of feel like this is the story that I'm compelled to tell. And if I surround myself with collaborators who are people of color or women who are not white dudes that I've been used to telling stories with for the majority of my career, maybe there's a way to tell this story with real authenticity and responsibility. I'm going to have to listen a lot more than I've been talking, and that's going to be hard for me because I'm conditioned to talk. But, you know, these nine episodes are my best version of listening. And so uh, you were today years old when yep, you learned that Lindelof is a white yes, dude. I did not know. I hear... <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing confused like people when they found out john b was a white dude and yes yeah also what's the guy who sings what would you do for love oh fuck um, the old guy the old yeah. white guy with the hair that song slaps it's um it bobby caldwell that's right Didn't bobby know that until like last year there was a whole generation of black people in my parents age who were like bobby caldwell is a black dude until they saw him live and they're like what the fuck <laughs> he's smooth though he's smooth he's no surprise. <laughs> So I think this is great because, I mean, we were already talking off mic that it remains to be seen how, because these are really highbrow, difficult to talk about topics, really, when you're dealing with race issues and the complicated nature that it is in this country, that you can either do a good job usually or just fail, just bungle it. And so it looks like he's at least put himself in the best position to not bungle it as a white dude and to maybe add something relevant to the conversation of stuff. And it, it's even more... Obvious, I think, why Regina King would hop onto this outside of just being able to kick ass. She has said that she's attracted to media and content that is asking these kinds of daring questions about society and race and what is it like to move within society with these racial constructs and how people perceive you. So, I mean, it's all good stuff where Lindelof is concerned so far. He seems to be aware of the pitfalls and looking to avoid them, which probably has annoyed a lot of people, but it's not annoyed me. So, yes, slight aside, but do you remember that? That's sort of an episode. Where Raven and Chelsea were going for that job at the clothing store. Oh. The lady was racist. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So kind of yes. short aside to that where it was part of a kid show. Right. And the two show creators are, I think, two white men. Okay. But the way it was expressed in the show was accessible for children, but also talked about a sensitive issue of like right, racism. Right. And it's one of those things that is, I mean, that's so Raven was probably one of the most tweeted things I saw when Disney Plus announced what they were going to have because it's one of those things that's just sort of locked in as this nostalgic, irreplaceable piece of pop culture that did something very important to be like, we're going to talk about these serious topics and be able to communicate, hopefully, these ethical ideas to children. Yeah. So they don't become shitheels like their racist parents. <laughs> so that's all interesting stuff. And one thing I wanted to mention, because I think it's interesting too, because, and we can't say this is a direct correlating impact of the show, but I do think that the show bringing more attention to the Tulsa massacre will lead hopefully to added things that ought to be done. Justice <laughs> coming to the descendants of that place, because as we found an article that was also retweeted by Regina King that on October 23rd, they have started for the first time the excavation process of these grounds that they think is potentially a site for mass burial grave 
of people who were murdered at that time. And it was sort of the thing that I believe a commission was held in 2001 to basically sort of investigate what was going on. And then people were like, we've done these scans and we found these anomalies and we would like to potentially see, like, can we can we do some some justice and bury these people properly? But people in the town were sort of like, why can't we let it go? What's done is done. Let's just be over it and move on with the future because the past doesn't matter, which of course does not work with the Oklahomans who have a direct tie. Their family has a direct tie to this. And so the current mayor is not about that life. And a year ago was like, hey, I think we should, I think we should excavate. Like, why not? And so they started that process this week because the estimates say, officially historians, up to 300, which... I don't know about all that. Uh, also, I never believe estimates that people say historians about how many black people died in a thing because that's always wrong. <laughs> but they say up to 300 and 8,000 homeless. And I saw another documentary that was saying several hundred based on the accounts of people, bodies being taken, mass graves. So I think this is great. This is like a ripple effect, um, not necessarily directly linked, but it will help sort of like amplify everything and do what he ultimately said he wanted to do, which was put a focus on this issue and confront people with it and get people talking about it talking about reparations which is such a hot button topic <laughs> everyone acts like we don't black people deserve reparations but like a, but the receipts say but anyway <laughs> let me not get off topic <laughs> even if i feel government wasn't going to excavate you probably set up a GoFundMe today and get a lot of money to do right. it yourself, which is and great. that's the power of media people exactly i would i'd be like here to take my money i want yeah right right so it's just super cool that we actually have this really poignant reason for why he's endeavored to create this show. So do you want to take us to our next little uh, discussion, observation? Yes, let us move to... I don't know why I just became English. It's no, probably going to be not, a thing. Yeah, you're in that Gentleman Jack podcast. That's so. true. Coming back to America. <laughs> you this said get off the, the boat, Watson gal. Podcast, you're back in America. Honey. You're not in Leeds. What are you doing? On your red, white, and blue flag. <laughs> um, yeah, so... With my 67 stars. Yes, we will talk about that later. That is right. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about the little boy. Let's talk about this yes, little boy. There are a lot of theories we have about him. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do them all now or do we want to? You know, let's just jump into yeah, them. Why let's not? Let's do it. We're going to do it. So the boy, his origin with his parents sending him to a better life kind of. Right. And ended, ending up being killed. He arrives to his new place of residence. And his helpers have been killed. Yeah, his helpers have been killed. He's all alone. And it's a symbolic reference to Superman. Absolutely. The Man of Steel. Yes. And this idea of, uh, and we saw some other references to like Moses and things. And I guess just the overall concept of here's this baby that represents this hope and this future and this light to these other parents who are sending them off to a dangerous unknown world hoping for the, the best. And that's a little boy. He's... Oof. And I read some that said that the child was obviously the daughter of the people who were trying to transport the boy. I suppose that makes logical sense. Are you saying they were, that's his sister? Or? No, just whoever was, oh, the, just the couple that family. was transporting okay. him, their yeah, kid, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. Their daughter somehow escaped the bullet, which thank God. Yeah. Find out who she is. I don't know who she is. It could be anyone. I think I it will be revealed because why, like, especially if we find out, you know, and any of our guesses match up about who this little boy is, then that girl who is younger than him by at least Couple 10 years, years yeah. potentially, is maybe still alive if he is. <laughs> and maybe she has a daughter. <gasps> I'm, And maybe, because see, I mean, we'll get back into it, but there, we've seen some things online that 
says that the red fredations has to do with just the black people in Tulsa versus what we were initially speculating about the white knight issue. But if our conspiracy theory of Angela, AKA sister knight being related to this woman, then that would potentially be how she gets red fredations, even though she was born in Vietnam, that yeah. maybe her parents left. They have a tie there, went to Vietnam, but because it's, gen it's um, by genealogy, Theoretically, it would still come through like True. royalty checks, but reparations. I like the idea of royalty reparations checks, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in this universe, you never know what's going to happen. You never know. Probably on Earth 64, just not this we one. We'll see. All right. So I guess we'll just jump to the Louis Gossett Jr. Who did Justice stuff. Okay. We let's do that. This part. Okay. Yeah. So also. Yeah, whatever. You can always pause and I'll just slip out. Okay. I'm like, because I, I always listen to it all the way sign. through and then I just like. Okay. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> so Louis Gossett Jr., who plays the old man in the wheelchair, right? We see outside of Angela's or Sister Knight's restaurant. Mentions that he can lift two hundred pounds. He does mention that. And we were just wondering, who is this man? We know we're pretty confident that he's the boy that we saw earlier because at the end we see that he has the message. His parents gave to him like, right exactly things like protect this boy or something like that but conspiracy theory i believe that he is hooded justice right you mentioned what this do you and, think? Uh, i think anything is possible in this version of watchmen but i do like this theory i do like this theory of because it seems like the setup is set up all these little clues that will probably seem obvious to us by the time we conclude this season but right now they're just little breadcrumbs and i think that you've potentially followed a breadcrumb Yes, I have multiple supporting facts. Let's <laughs> yes, see. let's Conspiracy. go through the facts. So number show one, the, show the listening audience your receipts. Yeah, I spent a lot of time researching this. First one is the ages match up. They mm -hmm. said he was 105, right? Right. So that would be pretty accurate that he was a little kid in the 1920s. That would be accurate. When the Tulsa race massacre happened. Right. Two, the colors match up. You see Hood of Justice in like a bright red outfit yes. with the hood. He's wearing a bright red outfit. He's also saying you can lift 200 pounds. Right. We don't know how in the wheelchair. Like, are you actually not disabled? Right. There's no way for What's us to happening? know that he really needs that wheelchair. Maybe he's just resting. Maybe he wants to rest his knees <laughs> most of the day. For a few years. Yeah. Well, he's 105. <laughs> so if he was walking, it'd be pretty amazing. Right. And until we see him in private, also in that chair, we cannot be sure that it's not a ruse. Because what an excellent ruse for someone to underestimate you. Like yeah. Angela did. Because she underestimated that motherfucker until she got the call at the end. And she's like, wait, what? What are you? He's like, I know who you are. I'm like, Ooh. oh, oh. See, you should have paid more attention to the old man in the wheelchair. Yeah, being rude. Like, okay, sir, you can't lift 200 pounds. <laughs> Hooded Knight was strong in his heyday. Was strong, indeed. Was heavily involved in civil rights, which yes. makes sense. Makes perfect sense. You know, sense. what he's seen as a child, I don't know how you don't get involved. How do you not rights. get enraged and want to do something about yeah, like it? Your parents exactly. and your family and your friends being murdered is obviously a heck good of an motivator. Story. Yeah, yes. Really good get motivator. Into justice. He also wears a noose, maybe That's a right. reference to the the violence and injustices that black people suffered through. Right, right, exactly. And the video at the beginning about the black sheriff, this one actually was very <clears throat> telling after watching it again and right, actually right. knowing who people were and their names. Right. Um, just a little summary of what happened in the movie. You have the black sheriff named Bass, Bass, Bass Reeves. Bass Reeves. And he's arresting a white sheriff who was being arrested for a corruption? Or yeah, he was committing happening? a crime. And ironically so, the the mob of white people was happy. 
Yes. <laughs> you see outside what's happening. Right. You're like, okay. Juxtaposition. But what is his name in the show? It is Will Reeves. Right. Reeves. So you're like great grandson. Who are you? Yeah. Who are you? Don't know. Well, relative that, or that adopter could be of right. Maine. Yeah, right. it could be related. Maybe it's his grandfather, and that's why he was very enthralled when he was watching the movie. Or maybe, like you said, it could be a name he just picked up. Like, oh, I'm so inspired by this. Inspired dude. by this guy that I'm gonna be just like him. Yeah. So I mean, know. that's an interesting way to look at it because on the one, I mean, I feel like there's two ways to go if you see something like the little boy did in Tulsa. It's the one way, which is potentially extraordinary violence. Because you're sort of like, I've been wrong to fuck the world. Mm -hmm. And the other way is like extraordinary human being, like justice. I'm going to make sure that I am part of the arbiters of what is good and right versus just letting bad people do bad things, which brings the law into play. And being an officer, despite what being an officer might mean in an institutional space versus the very real job that officers do on the ground. Exactly. Helping people. Kind of like a Batman where he right. went through violence Batman. in his childhood. Saw his parents murdered. Yeah. And he decided to fight for good instead of... I like know, everywhere you're going with this yes. theory. And I'm going to be working we, with it yeah, until we, it's proven otherwise. Yeah. Yes. I believe it. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what we also forgot to mention is that evidently, you guys, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails are planning on releasing three different freaking volumes of the Watchmen HBO show score which you were like three volumes how much stuff and I was like clearly a lot of stuff I mean hey I hope that means that they were incredibly inspired by the show and so they just have a bunch of music to make and I'm I'm not going to be opposed to Nine Inch Nails or people affiliated with that group putting new music out if anyone cares the, the release <laughs> this old 90s band get over it <laughs> uh, the release uh, for the first volume is going to be November 4th with November 25th as the date for volume two and December 16th for volume three. So y'all, if you are enjoying the score so far, which I am, I'm actually a big fan of film scores and just sort of, because I think it's an underserved category where a lot of people would just rather put in whatever artist that makes it sort of easy for the audience member to vibe with it because songs usually put you in a place, especially if you heard it already, you just got a memory associated. Where to do a score, you're just sort of like, it's emotional. Usually you're watching the scenes and then coming up with what you come up with. So I'm intrigued to see how they came up with three volumes were the shit. In the score in the first episode, scared the hell out of me. Like whenever the music played, it was very. I thought someone was going to get shot or murdered. Like when they crashed the owl aircraft, the night aircraft. No, we were sure something sinister was about to happen. They're going to be shot. (laughs) There's a sniper somewhere. I was so scared for everyone's life, which is it's tension. A testament to the greatness of the. Right, no, they keep the tension up. Soundtrack. They keep you curious. They keep you engaged. And so they did their job. Also, the Nine Inch Nails joke I made, like, I don't want anyone attacking me. It's a good <laughs> band. They're a good band, you yes. guys. We like them here. All right, there was something I mentioned to you I wanted to touch on really quickly, which is like this I, this concept of Redford, Robert Redford being the president for a number of terms. And like, for now, I'm just going to call it Redfordism because we were talking about how, you know, based off the first graphic novel and the movie that Nixon is a thing. He's fucking fascist. He's corrupt. People want his ass gone. He refuses to go. And it's implied that Robert Redford is going to make a challenge to this. And so I was wondering, you know, what you thought about this juxtaposition that Lindelof is potentially making with extreme right versus the extreme left and that they both are sort of like bankrupt at the end of the day because we don't have this Nixon universe 
where things were overtly horrible. Yet in this Redford situation, okay, we still have cops that are afraid. Cops evidently can wear a mask and they hide from each other. Yeah. <laughs> and not just the humans. And it's sort of like we have the weird thing that we mentioned of, okay, you need permission to get your firearm. And on paper, you're like, oh, that's a... That's a good thing to do. But the weird contradictions of like, okay, but it ends up potentially being a detriment to the officer, depending on the situation, but also what led us here. And I mean, we're going to get to this theory later, but you know, maybe Judd was in the seventh cavalry. Maybe. Like, maybe this idea of white supremacy being hidden in, in plain view is relevant because I, I find it hard to believe that they were able to pull off so much shit without the inside insider help. Since when does that stuff go down where you just successfully pull off a coup with policemen. We have a lot of conspiracies for that one. We At do. We have people so many were like, conspiracies. That's them all. Maybe right? piece them all. Maybe that's them all. <laughs> Who knows? But what you're talking about, um, the juxtaposition between left wing and right wing and how no one, no one's side is perfect mm -hmm. kind of calls back to the novel um, and how Lindelof says he's trying to be based off of the novel, but this is a new interpretation. Right, exactly. If you remember back to the graphic novel, you have... Rorschach, who is a more right-wing figure, and you have Ozymandias, who's more left-wing, left more liberal, right. and you see throughout the story that even though they are trying to be the best they can right. through their ideologies, they're still flawed people. Right. For instance, Ozymandias wants to have a united world that's no longer in a fight in, during the Cold War. He wants world peace. He does, but... Uh, through mass baby, death. No. it's not the way to go. <laughs> I know. He's yeah. like Thanos. Basically, Which, yeah. Just I mean, it out. and there's tons of arguments to be said that Marvel and DC were could not helped but take the ridiculous post-apocalyptic influence of Watchmen after it debuted because, well, they've they've done some storylines like the Thanos. Yeah, there are a lot of snaps that are super yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> but yes, please continue. Yes. Uh, so yeah, you have Ozymandias. He's trying to create unity, create hopefulness, but does it at the cost of millions of lives? Right. Where you're asking yourself, was this worth it? Do you know what empathy lies? is? No. Yes, do you? <laughs> right. And then again, you have Rorschach at the end who's like, we have to tell people about this. Right. And Dr. Manhattan kills him at the end. Where he's like, we need peace. Like, this is, obviously, there's no right answer. Like, is right. peace worth more than a million people? That's, you know. That's those are those weird questions yeah. that you always find in any time someone tries to tackle a story about, like, someone dealing with the world where they claim to be this this human concerned person, but that concern is just where big numbers are. But actual concern for an individual, for a real human, doesn't exist. And I would kind of compare him to that fact, and it's interesting that we see him now, and he's alone with two very weird, you know what, until they're revealed to be humans, I'm just gonna mm, say, yeah, horseshoe. androids, robots, technology has Has increased. they been given you a horseshoe on your birthday? <laughs> I got a horseshoe, but not to cut a cake, just cause oh. it was for good luck. I Fun do actually parties. have a horseshoe. Oh. Although mine was rusted. I was like, why does that horseshoe look like it's never been used? Did you just get a horseshoe versus <laughs> having a horseshoe that was once on a horse? Yeah. And now it's not. It's on antique. You can't it's sell a that. a brand new horseshoe that he ended up. It's absurd. So I think it's interesting that he's there and he's living in this abject solitude, except for these really weird humanoids. And it's kind of like, kind of, it's, it's tragically sad in a weird way because it almost feels like he's in some sort of delusional bubble of what he's achieved. And surely you've, not achieved peace, bro. Like, like you did what You're you not. did. It's raining squids. We're really upset about that because again, what's it. up with the ocean? What's happening with the air? I feel like if all if a bunch of squids stop just drops in one place, it would be like um you don't get an oil spell on a beach mm -hmm. because of how they disintegrate. That's disgusting, and I would be protesting. Who do you? Th what do you think is behind the squids? Let me hear your theories on this. 
What's, it has to have something to do with what he did, like bringing in the alien squid. How, like, is there a squid permanently in the clouds that gets pregnant every time there's enough condensation, and then and thusly <laughs> it gives birth to millions of squids? Yeah, but it has to be connected to some after effect that he caused. And from what we can tell, because we didn't hear anything from Angela's character, her son, there's no connection made to him whatsoever. So he's just off in obscurity or believed to be dead, and no one knows anything about anything. It's like a reminder that he's always around, but this right. seem very Ozymandias. He. <laughs> He's like kind of a show off, but I doubt he'd do yeah. something like that. So I don't, I want to see where that goes. With this I do too. And Jeremy Irons is playing him in a, I mean, Jeremy's a great actor, but he's given him already this degree of complication where we're like, what the fuck is going on with you? <laughs> like you look, you're Are smiling you okay? here, but there's some sadness there and some weirdness there. So I'm excited. I'm very intrigued by what's happening with his story and the weird humanoids and what's going on over there in that ridiculous mansion of. Yeah, that castle i'm like am i watching a different show right. we kind of jumped to a beautiful castle in the middle of nowhere right? a great white horse it's like a it's like a fantasy oasis really so everything should be perfect there but you get the distinct feeling that it's not that maybe he would he would like for it to be perfect and perhaps that's his the closest to his vision of it but like most things it's falling short of probably what he actually wanted and since we know he's gonna be up to some shit clearly yes, you're not with his contented play. and satisfied right we'll talk about the play exactly Kind of to finish off, off my point, uh, the Warshak right wing, and he thinks he's doing the best thing. He's like cleaning society of the undesirable people that are causing evil. Right. But you see that his compass is flawed where Blake or the comedian mm -hmm. tried to rape Lori. Yeah. Uh, not Lori. Not Lo oh, Sorry, not Lori. That's her daughter. <laughs> the original Silk Spectre yes. tried to rape her and then Hood Justice came in and saved her. And you see that this fact is revealed to him right. through Lori, and he's like, "Well, comedian's a good person, so like, you know, he should he can continue his work." Where it's this is rape is evil, rape is fucked. Yes, that's yeah, that's full stop. Um, <laughs> end of telegram. Yes, send it in the mail because that's exactly that's all there is to be said. Rape is fucked. Yes, and so you're this a is fucked objectively person. Objectively, bad man who also remember he killed his um. Not mistress, but his baby mama yeah. in Vietnam. No, he's objectively horrible. But Rorschach gives him a pass, a pass. because yep. he likes him. Because So you're not black and white, good and evil when you're making exceptions. Like Moloch, he knew Moloch was doing bad things in the graphic, the graphic novel. Like you're involved with Manhattan right. being kicked out for being a cancer risk. Right. But, oh, I knew you. I'll let this go. Like you have to tell me everything. From now on. Right, right. And again, people have good intentions, but... The reality. We're humans. We're fallible people. Any yeah. ideology is going to falter. And nothing is mm -hmm. perfect. No. And that's a little bit of Rorschach's sexism coming out, too. Like, he always liked to call women whores. But, I mean, I think also that's the idea. his mom was pretty bad. His mom was a prostitute, right? No, right. And I think that's... um I keep saying origin story, but that's a, a psychological thing that a number of of psychotherapists have identified for problematic men. You know, is that, oh, there's some root with their mother and how they perceive their mother and that determining how they see femininity and all of womanhood. And maybe, you know, it's on one extreme spectrum of like sexism or it's on the other where it's violent or perhaps it's indifferent. But definitely Rorschach was victim to that because he, I mean, his empathy did not exist for her, which is why he's like, well, you know, it's right. So whatever, he's still a good guy. It's like, yeah. wait, what? Just a beat him. How do you? And it was just not good. It's fucked this up. This is a guy in pain. 
the whole story. Well, let's jump real quick to your other musing that you had, which is what would Rorschach think of the seventh calorie? Let's see. Since we are on, we are talking about him right now. Yes. Again, a co-opted ideology. I don't think so Rorschach would approve of this. There's no mention of him being racist in the entire novel. Oh, yes. Yeah. Should we read like yes, what read he said versus what they changed it to? So in the show, we hear the Seventh Calvary on their little tape say the little racist nonsense. And they're evoking Rorschach's diary because they're like, oh, part real life, part edit. And so what they say in the show is, quote, soon all the whores and race traitors will shout, save us, and will whisper no. And that's not, that's not what actually this is a revision. Said. It's a revision. Revision is history. V2. So what it actually says is, quote, the accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up about their waist and all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, save us. And I'll look down and whisper, no. So I feel like this goes back to a little bit what we were saying in the first episode about like telephone of people's legacies. That a person lives their life and they do a thing. And then years later, some dick takes a piece of that thing and contorts it horribly to then use that person as a figurehead for their actual very personal agenda and biased movement. And I think that's what's happening here with Rorschach. Like you said, like he wouldn't be into it at all. People co-opting his words for... Any movement like this would just not interest him, considering he was like, fuck humanity. I feel like if I could sum him up, he was like, fuck the humans. Like, I'm gonna go over here. It's like Manhattan. He's like, you guys are too complex. I'm going away <laughs> to create life on elsewhere. Mars. Right. Literally, he's like, I'm forming new species. I, you can't, you, you can't. Are... I'm so above you. You don't even know what it's like to be me. Excuse me. Back to creation. <laughs> too much. Also, conspiracy that the footage they're showing is fake news and Mr. Manhattan is not on Mars. They're just trying Ooh. to make people feel good about it. I like him that. being around. That's so good. Actually, know. that's actually, mm -hmm. I like that theory because it's all about perception, perception of safety versus actual safety. Yeah. It's also a commentary on current day. Yes. Many different. Totally. It totally it makes is. sense though, in a sense that they would completely contort his diary given the equivalent uh, of the paper that he sent it to was just like some sort of like, I don't know, like Breitbart, like, I don't know, just something that's, yeah. that's just, I don't know what this is, fakenews.com. And so no <laughs> one would take it seriously anyway, but the worst of the group who clearly ran off with doctrine over the years and um, like the incels, I guess. It's like, let's modify this. Or I made a joke with the Bible that like you can change one word and you change a whole lot of shit. That's what they did. But they're like, let's just co-opt this and co-opt the mass. Don't mind to incels. That was actually a phrase coined by I think a lesbian woman in the '90s, and it was totally wait what blow my mind. Yes, I didn't know I this. Yeah, I think I read this. Yeah, it was a woman. It makes sense. It would be coined way back when. The first online community to use the term incel was started in 1993. Wow. A Canadian university student known only by her first name Alana created a website in order to discuss her sexual activity with others. Okay. I'm actually not sure if she was a lesbian. Maybe I thought. But yeah, it was started by a woman and it's just very interesting how the movement has really changed. And Wait a minute. So, okay. So maybe I misinterpreted the first time. So it was started by a woman to describe herself as involuntary celibate? Yeah. In the 90s. Damn. Canada. Leave it to some dudes. To just, like, just like Rorschach. They're like, let's just flip the whole shit because actually we, we, we are the involuntary celibates. Oh, right. Well, yeah. I just learned something new today. Yeah. Fantastic. The more you know. The more you know. So, yeah, Seventh Calvary is obviously evocative of the KKK and every other major white supremacist group in the country that's existed and pretty annoying. Yeah. I know we had some some meanings of the Seventh Calvary. We do. We have two. So the first one, let's jump back to history class in 
middle school, high school. Hey. Uh, yeah. So some cavalry served under General Custard. <laughs> yes, General Custard. Yeah. And he's known for his death at the Battle of Little Bighorn. Oh, Which Custard's was, Last Stand. Yes. That's, coming that's middle school history. coming through. Wow, I'm so proud of you. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> but it's basically Little Bighorn, they murdered the Cheyenne tribe while they were asleep. And a lot of casualties on both sides. So it could be that where you're talking about the army that served behind him. Also, if you see the pager that Angela has, Little Bighorn pops up. Interesting. Yeah, so again, evocative of 7th Calvary. Okay. And maybe a, a sort of like indicating their attitude problem that if they're calling themselves this, it's like, give us what we want or give us death. Like, we'll die. I mean, because that guy took the pill. Like, he was cracking up some uh, arsenic in his mouth. Yeah, I'm like, oof. So he clearly was like, oh, no, I'm dead. I'm good. Like, this was the pact I made with my friends, my weird friends, is that if you get me, I'm dead. So they definitely have that. I don't want to say, I was trying to figure out a word for like when you're overachieving at being a dick. And the seventh calorie, <laughs> but they have that. Whether whatever that is, they got it in spades. They do. That also relates to the second interpretation of the seventh calvary in a interview with Veit. Veit? I'm unsure how to Veit. In the graphic novel, he talks about how he sees the 20th century as a fight between the four horsemen and the seventh calvary, mm. which means extinction versus enlightenment. Right. So maybe they think that they're in lightning the 20th century or that sounds about extinct. right for these losers um <laughs> yeah, or people know. who are usually in these type of oppressive groups that they they feel like they have the truth i feel like most groups obnoxious enough to be this this violently aggressive with their message always think they have the truth but they never really have anything going on yeah so that makes sense that makes sense there's always urgency like extinction like we will be gone in 10 years right like, and that has mm. i mean considering what lindelof said that has real life applications to what bigoted white people think right now like they're like we're gonna go extinct and i'm like with so many of you in the country i don't see how <laughs> Anyone thinks anyone's going extinct except by way of the planet saying fuck you to all yeah, humans? I'm, I'm worried about the planet just like... I'm, I'm worried about the planet ex yeah. like evicting us. I'm Global not worried about is very motherfuckers going extinct. Urgent. There's too many bitches. Yeah. Like we could stand to lose some bitches of all ethnic groups. <laughs> of all ethnic groups. We could all go down just a few in hot numbers. Take. <laughs> it's a hot take. There's literally like 400, 400 million people in this country. Like we don't need... We don't need... <laughs> Someone needs to tell these, these white folks to just turn down. It's okay. There's plenty of white people across the globe. You guys are good. But no, this makes sense because it's the unrealistic fear. Same of some things you can see in South Africa too, where there's just unrealistic fear of like, we're going to be killed off. We're going to go extinct. They're going to get us. And it's like, well, okay. I'm the only one with a history. Yeah. And just these that. themes repeat throughout history. Which right. Is very right. disheartening. <laughs> Honestly, well, no, yeah. probably 30 years from now, same thing will pop up. Oh, of course. In that sense, history and life. I mean, I feel like people have said this and I read it, but then when you see it, how cyclical things are, you're like, okay, yeah. So, of course, these things always come yep. back around. Like, humans are super predictable in that way. Very forgetful. We'll be arguing over the same shit till, the, uh. till planet Earth is like, bye, ho. This, I give you a chance. <laughs> I give you a chance. It's done. And I'll be like, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. We deserve it. I can't argue with that. <laughs> I can't argue with valid, that at all. Valid, valid, Oh, my God. So, I like all those... Uh, those theories and things about the Seventh Calvary. It'd be interesting to see uh, what goes on with that. Oh, what was the name of that town they were in? Was it Nixonville? Yes, and that was the nickname. Isn't that the equivalent of like, oh yeah, just having a Confederate flag? Like, I feel like that's the same. Like, if there was a president that was way too long in office, super corrupt, but you are residing or like in a thing that is idolizing said person, like that's having like a picture of Hitler on the wall, like. 
Yeah. You, let's talk about the flags. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the flags. So we see in Nixonville that they have the traditional flag of today, the 50 states. Right. The 13 stripes for the not, 13 colonies. The irony is not lost on me, by the way, that the white supremacists have the flag of today. Not, not lost on me <laughs> at all. At all. I didn't think of that. But if you look at Angela's house when they first show her husband talking to her child right. uh, when they're cleaning up the squids, you see behind that they have a flag that's a little different than today's where it has a circle in the middle right. with a lot of stars. This looks like at least 60 stars. And we learned from Angela that she was born in Vietnam, right. which is now considered a state because we won the Vietnam, we won the Vietnam War. War. It was actually like a skirmish, like two months or so. Right. So it was very different than, very different than what actually happened Yeah, our in current life. timeline. Um, because of help from Dr. Manhattan and right. the comedian. The comedian. You like 60 flags. So it's assumed that the U.S. has taken over a lot of a other, lot of other shit. places. Like, I don't know. Second wave colonialism. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Second oh, wave colonialism, yikes. man. That's not good. There's to pass the torch from the British to us because that none of that, nothing about us having land in the South Pacific makes any sense. Yeah, it's so far away. It's like, so fucked up. It's so wrong. So yeah, please continue. Yeah, so it is interesting that you have a second wave of colonialism, like you said. Like, how is that? How does the populace react to that? Right. You also hear. Actually, no, I won't spoil that part. Our, our big hot take. Oh yeah. At the end. <laughs> That's true. Judge. That's true. We gotta leave we that will hot wait take the for hot the end. Simmer. But as we have a current, like just different flags and how symbolism of today can be construed totally differently. 5, 10, 15, 20 no, years right, from now, exactly. universe. It's completely contorted. Like it's historical telephone where everything is lost. And I just, you know, I do love these these clever allegories they're making because the flag is still relevant for us today, but it's now in the place of the Confederate flag, essentially, of like, why you got that thing? Traitor. Yeah. Why, why do you have that thing that's reminiscent of this thing that we no longer do? What's wrong with you? Why do you think differently? And so it's just super brilliant. Let's see. Do you want to talk about... Do you want to do our Judd spicy takes right now? I don't think we have much more to talk about. Um, did about you want to do your world? Oh, wait. I guess we did do Vietnam world differences. We talked about yeah, Nixon. Yeah, we did. The flag, Nixon. All right. So you had a, a nice little list about world differences that we are seeing in our world. Real life versus this current Watchmen universe. And a few of them we've already said, like that Vietnam is part of the United States. And won the war, evidently, with the help of some uh, special, <laughs> special friends. <laughs> say that. And that Nixon was never impeached, and he was in office for 20 years. And also that the comedian silenced the Watergate investigation. Oh, that's, comedian, uh, that's yes, son of a bitch. That's alluded to in the graphic fucked novel. Fucked up, fucked up, fucked up. Yes, we know that Redford, Robert Redford, became president 30 years, so longer tenure than Nixon. I just wonder, what happened to the 22nd Amendment? They're just like, oh, gone. Throw it away. Delete it. We don't Burn need it. her anymore. Never happened. <laughs> she got to go. <laughs> she got to go. Term limits. Who? I don't Where? know. I don't know her. I don't know what that is. What's a term limit? <laughs> and we did mention, or you just mentioned that Angela, aka Sister Knight, had a different flag, new flag, new patriotism on display versus the original flag in Nixonville. Evidently, the KKK closed down the Statue of Liberty. Yes. Losers. I'm a, as New Yorkers in New York, how dare you? How doth you? Now, technically, the Statue of Liberty is closed. This. You can't go in that bitch anymore. Um, when I was a kid, you could actually, like, get up to Crown and, like, look out there. But terrorism. Did you go there? They, oh, I did. When oh, I was super nice. young. When I was super young, I was up in the Statue of Liberty. Now I think you can just sort of, like, take a boat to mm. look at it. 
or maybe walk around the bottom of the grounds, but I don't think they let people go up anymore. And that's because people are dicks. Once again, destroying the ability for people to go inside stuff because some people don't know how to act right. Yeah. But closing the Statue of Liberty, what kind of a it's very unfortunate. asshole do you got to be to... But if you're ever in New York, you can take the Ikea... <laughs> <laughs> the Ikea boat. I can't. And this you is can real get life? Free, yeah. The Ikea and Red Hook. You can take the Ikea... I don't know. Was that like water a ferry? What is yeah, that? The, yeah, the okay, Ikea it's like a ferry. Okay. <laughs> to, you take it from South Ferry to Ikea and Red Hook, but you go wow. past the Statue of Liberty. And the ferry's free if you spend at least $10 at Ikea. So just buy some meatballs or buy a couch. Oh, Bring shit. it back to Manhattan. I learned that new today. And I never take the ferry from like Williamsburg in Brooklyn because I'm either. like, why? It doesn't make sense, though. Like when you think of the cost of public transportation, unless it's summertime and you're just feeling extra spicy. <laughs> there's no reason to pay $10, $15 to go someplace you can go for two to three. Yeah, 275 When you could take an Uber for the same price and get there faster. It's all yeah. fucked up. Yeah. But also Staten Island Ferry, that's free. Oh, that's right. I have right. a lot of friends. That's Hardly anyone goes to Staten Island. Not to diss your friends, but. <laughs> no, 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 no. So I have a friend that went on the Staten Island ferry just to see the Statue of Liberty because it goes right by it and it's free. And she didn't get off. She just stayed on and it brought her right back to Manhattan. <laughs> that sounds like a clever these friend. Are, these are the pro straps. Here are some tourist tips yes, for those NYC of you who've never been to NYC. You want to see the Statue of Liberty? Secretly a tourism podcast. Right. As well. So they closed that shit like a bunch of bastards. Yes. Um, 9-11. Which means they're still active. Right. Which is Fucked very up. different than today. Where you they're, like the, they're like the Taliban, if you think about it. Yeah. Because look at Al-Qaeda. They're the big shits. But the Taliban was the shits that set off 9-11, which also apparently didn't happen. And so now the KKK is in Taliban status where they're like, we used to be the, we used to be the baddest yeah. bitches. Now these dicks with Warshak, man. <laughs> Where's your ingenuity, guys? I wonder how they're related, the KKK and the 7th Cavalry. Hate. Yeah. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> no, no, I know. No, I know. Owning organizationally. They're probably literally cousins. Maybe. Sepsis with maybe. ideology differences, like the difference between a libertarian and a Republican. Someone probably just listened to that and got really mad. Well, you know what? You can write in at Sister Night Podcast. <laughs> Sister Night Pod, excuse me, at gmail.com and express your yeah, concern. Send us some, some notes. Or prove me wrong. I mean, I, yeah. we could argue. <laughs> through email <laughs> through email during back email. to the 90s which also could just mean we never respond but anyway yeah. or you're blocked who knows <laughs> but yes back to 9-11 it never happened never happened look at looking glasses those images flashing it looks like doing... a fucking Warshak. yes basically yeah we I will, completely we forgot will... to mention that when we were watching but it occurred to me that like I said like a kaleidoscope of weirdness but that's what I meant he looks like a, a living ink block. you gotta save this for the ending section I know I know, I know. you're like I know, so ready I know <gasps> let me say right let me tell you the secrets. No, okay. <laughs> so as you see in the background that the two Twin Towers are still... They're there. Up. Yes. So 9-11 never happened. Mm. Obviously a very sad day in American history. Yeah. But I always get like, oh, nostalgia. It's always, yeah, it's always it sad there. being yeah. at the memorial. Yeah, it's weird. It's just powerful. weird for those of us who knew like and visually just the city when the buildings were there that it's just weird. It'll always be weird yeah. that they're not. Have you but been to the museum? I have. I don't like to go often because that part of the city just creeps me out mm -hmm. personally because I was so young when it happened, but I was like living in that area. And so I'm just not like it's it always feels so different that I just rather not yeah, be right fair. where it is, especially when they used to do the lights for the memorial. That mm -hmm. was the creepiest shit to me. I was like, why is this a memorial? What did the lights do? They beamed straight up. So it was basically like 
um, two powerful lights that beamed up looking like a light, a tower light. Oh. So if you were in Jersey, Hoboken or whatever, you could see like two beams of light. But if you were right downtown by mm. those lights, it just felt to me like a creepy bat signal, like you were just trying to call all the lost spirits. And it just gave mm. me a bad vibe <laughs> where I was like, you know what? I don't need to be down here. I have too many bad memories. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So at least in this world, it didn't happen yeah. to New Yorkers. Great. Like 2,000 people died. It's raining squids, yeah. but yes. 9-11 didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, people are alive. So. That's, Yay. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> that's which. Also, Nixon is on Mount Excuse Rushmore. Me. Nixon on Rushmore. Which well. hasn't been updated. Who's the last president on Mount Rushmore? Really? Oh, my God. My American history is just very bad. Probably. Teddy Roosevelt, then FDR. That's His right. Relative. Yes, Teddy is the last. People really had there. a lot of like for the Roosevelt, so I guess that makes sense. Well, I mean, so some differences. I'm sure we'll notice more as the series goes along and we will jot them down and relay them to you guys once you figure them out. But yeah, I'm, I I like when stuff like this is done and done carefully because it really just throws you into a new universe where you're just like, this is a completely other world. We are working with a different set of principles and bias and stuff. And it just feels very visceral. Yeah. And we're like, they spend a lot of time thinking about it and trying to have loose ends tied together. Hopefully all tied together by the end of the season. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But we see a lot I'm of threads. Hoping. We see a lot of threads. We would like for those loose threads to come together. The only the season. End. So right. it's going to have to come together quickly. So we are ready for our spiciest section. Are you ready? Spicy. Candace? I'm so ready. I was actually trying to get there like 10 minutes she ago. She wasn't like, come back, was, come back. You're like, nope, rain it in. Nope. Rain it in. The, okay. I'm ready. The rails. Let's do it. Come back. So who do you think is the mole? Where do you want to start this? Where this thread. Where do you start this thread? I mean, I two ideas, two ridiculous ideas, but maybe they're not, which is Looking Glass and Judd. Judd who's dead. Dead Judd. But... There tell could the, be other reasons. Tell the, tell the, tell the audience right. why you Conspiracy think. Conspiracy theory. Let it loose. Okay. So Judd is, Judd Crawford. Right. Is the police chief that we've seen. And dead. And he's portrayed as a really good guy. He's trying to protect the police. He's trying to be a family man, even though he's storing cocaine at the dinner table. Man. That was Look. a weird scene. Trying to hide it from who? His wife, his family. Like they don't know he does coke. I still don't believe that they don't know. I believe they. They do were so know. casual about it. They're like, oh, just he was like, so loud in that bathroom. <laughs> like, what is like, what is that you, noise? Sir, are you okay? Are you sick? Oh yeah, I'm just clearing my throat. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is this white like? stuff on your nose? I'm like, oh, so messy. Like go to the bathroom. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, so Judd, at the end, drives away from his house without a police escort, mm -hmm. which is concerning because he Very knows concerning. people are after him. People know his face. Unlike other people. Right, because he does not wear a mask. Yes. Right. So he's target number one. And Literally public enemy number one. Yeah. Very visible. We hear right wing radio during his car ride. That is talking correct. about how we don't need any more states in this country. Absurdities. Yes. <laughs> I'm well, already I'm already getting mad. No, no. That's just like, like let's not take over other countries, make them states. Let's, 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 it's happened. Right, it has. has. Yeah. And then he ends up getting murdered and we have mm -hmm. who we think is hooded justice or um louis gossett jr's character at the him end, up. right yeah so we don't know was he actually part of the seventh cavalry and this is just an intricate setup if we look back at the graphic novel at the beginning all the events are set off by the murder of the comedian exactly and at the end well if you look at the comedian's death mm -hmm. his pin has blood on it. Exactly. At the end, you have the police. We have chief the police chief badge with the, with the drop. Right. Exactly. So was this a scheme to get people riled up and ready to fight? I don't okay. know. Was he a sacrificial lamb? 
I don't know. I like where you're going with it because even though it seems absurd and extreme, that's the whole notion of this Seventh Calvary nonsense. Like that guy taking the pill that looked like a giant ibuprofen or Motrim <laughs> AB is that they clearly are so radicalized in their beliefs that they're like, like any other terrorist, death. Give me what I want or give me death or give me both at the same time. Mm -hmm. So if he is a mole, and if he was with the 7th Cavalry, which, hey, he's a white dude, so, you know, there's always an opportunity yeah. there that he could be there. That this this is a perfect elaborate setup because of the perceived interactions and his relationship to Angela. Angela, yeah. To Angela, a.k.a. Sister Knight, that invariably it has to set off a chain of extreme reactions because of how close they are. And she already is without fucks to give. So now she's going to be in a deficit of fucks? You know, like, <laughs> I'm concerned for the innocent people Angela. Of, of Tulsa and wherever else because who knows how she's going to turn up <laughs> for her faux daddy who she wipes coke off his nose for. But I think that it would be a very clever ruse and an excellent plot twist, maybe an episode or two from now, when Angela's on her shit investigating stuff or she finds someone and then she just has this massive worldview switch because, hey, if you're looking at things one way and you find that you're this person you loved and trusted as part of the problem and furthermore plotting against you, potentially, that's... It's massive. I I, this is the juiciest conspiracy theory so far. Like it could be that it was just a benign, benign murder, but nothing is benign. Yeah. And so there's no. already been so much symbolism in the first right. episode that I there has to be something behind. No, this. and it's a direct parallel to you know the comedian and how he's introduced in the novel. I do agree there. So I and then like you said with the badge, I mean. It's all looking symbolism. like symbolism is a thing. And there's a lot of symbolism happening in this episode. So we're just going to overthink the shit out of it until we're proven wrong. Yeah. Maybe episode two will be like, well, we were wrong about like these right. things. But oh, we'll eat that crow. It's fine. We we'll will. put on the clown yeah, makeup. We... I don't mind putting on clown makeup every now and again. I still, <laughs> still have to have we my theories. Fool. Right? We are here. Like, well... We were all the way wrong, 110%, but we're here to take those L's and bring you the next update <laughs> from this episode. Because, yeah. Do you want to do your next conspiracy for who's the mole? Or if there is a mole? Well, we kind of just discussed that. If there, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, there probably has to be, right? Like, there has to be, right? There's yeah, always a mole. He, There's he, always he a He would be a mole, yeah. Right. So you, I mean, how strongly are you into the looking glass is a mole theory? I feel like it's too obvious. Mm. So it's the throwaway, the throwaway sort of. I don't know if they will go for an obvious thing, just throw us for a loop. That's right. I mean, it's kind of like the music. They had a shook in the final scenes and nothing happened. And so it could be like, oh, let's give some like sparklers. Oh, get your attention over here. But really over here, we're doing this other thing. Yeah, fire. And we show. caught you. We caught you by surprise. All right. So why do you think Looking Glass is a possible culprit? He didn't seem all that thrilled with Judd and, and Judd like telling him to do stuff. In that interaction we saw with the pod, which was, you know, really, really reminiscent of, of something we've already seen. And so I don't and so I can take that two ways that he is a mole and something's up with him or he was already suspecting Judd and mm. was showing that outward suspicion a little too much because he had an attitude problem. A little bit of an attitude problem there. So I think those are the two. Re those are the only things I have because we've only seen him really interact with Judd and Angela and Red Scare and stuff while they're plotting. So that's that's all I got right now is that he, there are some similarities to Rorschach, but because of that, I want to believe that he'd be less likely to fuck with a group and more likely just be off doing his own thing. What do you mean by that? Um, that he wouldn't inveigle himself with a gang, but he might be the kind of actor that is like by himself. Like if oh, I'm doing something, it is yeah. me, I'm independent and I'm observing these other groups of actors so he might be someone with a lot of information. I mean, his name, Looking Glass, right? Mm -hmm. Like that could be, could also mean that he is a holder of information that people Ooh, don't know. Connection. Also his mask, it's like Rorschach, where you can't really see right. how he's in, uh, reacting. 
He's reflecting you. Ooh. And so if that's the case, I just feel like he could be a treasure trove of information ongoing about what's going on because just just not being able to see a person's eye when they speak to you already got me fucked up. Yep. And the fact that he, <laughs> that you yourself is reflected back to you, because isn't there a scene where like Judd fixes his tie in his face and he looked perturbed. He looked annoyed by that. Like, bro, I'm not your mirror. <laughs> so I don't feel like they're really friends. I feel like they're workmates, but like there's something else there that hopefully we get. Like, it's not just me reading into Does what the actor did, chief? but it's intentional. Right. Maybe. Like, what is that? Also, or what is Judd up to that ooh, he knows about? We don't know. We don't know. I feel like I've said symbolism like 20 times. It's fine, though, because there's a lot of symbolism. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, the scene where he kind of lifts up his mask and he, he eats is like Rorschach lifting yeah. his mask and eating yeah. beans. Or it could be like a call out to the graphic novel or it could be symbolism. It could Anything be. Anything could be symbolism. It could be both. It could be all the things. We should just rename this podcast Symbolism. Symbolism. A podcast. A watching podcast. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, I like I like all the theories. I like that we have so many, too. Yeah. That it's not like, well, this is the obvious answer because there are no real obvious answers no. right now. Some people in articles seem to be thinking there's obvious answers. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, unless you saw the whole season already. Yeah. Like, how do you know what the obvious answers if are? If so, like. Just mad questions. Connect me to your plug with episodes. Right? I want to see them, too. Ugh. What is it like a side theory that Panda could be the mole? I mean, that Dirty Panda made me think of, like, just like the euphemism, dirty panda. Like you're just like, what? Are you, what's going on there? Why is your mask so dirty? Do you never dry yeah, clean it? Everyone else is pretty clean, right? Like, and he was the one being a bitch about, oh, we are. What about the law? Should we really be taking off or using, letting people use their firearms, car blanche? And so he was against like the group, but maybe that'll work to his favor as being a, like a moral person. But it also puts him in the suspect list for mole because you're obviously already going against the grain and no one's paying attention to you. So we have people that are going against the police, people that are part of the Calvary that we think, people right. that are lone actors. Many different ways this show could go. I feel like if or you're Lindelof... either way. Right. Yeah. I feel like if you're Lindelof, you have to have part of the Calvary in the police force because you can't be like what he has said and oh, I'm trying to make, the, make this juxtaposition to the modern issues of race and not acknowledge that FBI report that says, hey, here are all the many police departments across the nation that are compromised by KKK members you and white supremacist members. You see stories a lot to this right. day. There was just one um, off the wall things. What is it? The, the, the horrible group, the Proud Boys, whatever. They, two guys just went to went to jail for participating in beating up a dude after a protest. And there was a story I read about a week ago about a cop who was linked to this group, the Proud Boys, which is linked, of course, to white nationalism and all these types of things. And nothing happened to the cop on the force. I want to say it was in Connecticut. And so it's just sort of like, it's a, you can't say, oh, I'm going to talk about race in America in the modern world and not address the fact that our own Federal Bureau of Investigation has published a report that says, yes, we've investigated this and we can confirm there are active KKK members in multiple police departments across the United States. Yeah. So to me, it has to be addressed, right? It has to be addressed and it has to put Sister Knight. And I feel like whatever Regina King read that was like, yeah, bitch, a lot of it has to be coming soon because it's going to put her in that place that I can't wait to see because you are a black woman. You're fucking confident. You get it. Tulsa is real life. But also this white man looked like he was a mentor, a father figure. And I just really want him to be dirty because that would just, it would increase the turn up. And I, that's, that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want. You're just waiting for an episode. Oh my God. Sorry. I just <laughs> yelled. I just yelled. But if Judd is a, if Judd was on that bullshit, is his wife. <gasps> is his wife. Oh. Is she in on it? Because you see in the preview, she was like. She's plotting. She's plotting. She was like, you need to, you need to get on your shit and handle this. Final you killed him. Avenge him in his honor. So she's totally a motivating factor for like whatever Angela's about to do. Yeah, sister I don't know. Knight, right? So that's interesting to Are see. The kids evil as well. <laughs> They're all in on it. 
all the babies involved. Everyone. Just oh, that. man. That would be It'd be interesting to see. I, the wife, they cast, they cast a, a good actress for the wife, so we'll see. I mean, she looks like she could have some sinister in her. I could be reading into that, but you know, she looked pretty sinister in the preview where she was like, you know what you got to do. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing to ponder. If he's in the group, maybe his wife is as well. She's like a leader. If you're that intensely into, what's the word people use? Xenophobia. Mm. Doesn't your wife kind of have to know, like, the person you potentially spend the most amount of time with outside of work? Don't they kind of have to have a clue, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. I I don't have I'm like, give me the answers right now. I wish I I had a script with me. I need it. Regina, if you're listening, please send a script over. Listen, Regina, we won't tell anybody. Also, do you want to come on the show? Just asking for a friend. Also, yes. Anytime you're in Brooklyn, just stop on us. Let us know. We're just, it's fine. You can do and say whatever you yeah, want. Just email and we mean us that. Time. It's totally fine. <laughs> please, 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 no, please. No. <laughs> oh no! All right. Well, did we cover all of our notes? I feel like we, we did. did. We and we took a lot of notes. So we did. We, it was a lot this of notes. This Google Doc is at least three pages. And ima- think about. I think by the time the season's done, we will have a thesis statement worth of Watchmen notes, judging by how many notes we took off episode one. That's a good thing. Though. I'm ready to go back to college and just get an English degree this time around with this thesis <laughs> from our notes. Sister Night, the Watchmen podcast. The thesis. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, so we set up an email, you guys. It's uh, sisternightpod at gmail.com. If you have questions or comments you want to send our way, please use that. We don't have a Twitter or Insta yet. We will soon. More than likely, it will be Sister Night podcast. So if you or Sister Night, like I don't, there's probably a fan permutation. There's probably a fan, some some permutation of that because there's probably already a fan who loves Regina King who already took it. Understandably so. We understand unknown fan, but soon we'll have the things and things and things, and probably post some of our theories and speculations and stuff on there too. But yeah, thank you once again for joining us. Yeah, tune in this Sunday. This Sunday to watch the next episode. episode. And yeah, we will drop our next foray of ridiculous conspiracy theories and opinions. I'm so ready. (laughs) Me too. Another interesting thing, because we don't speak Latin, we didn't know what Judd says to the policeman is who who watches the Watchmen in Latin. So... (sighs) It adds to the fun folder of what the fuck was going on with Judd. Yes. That's what it does. And then you can't trust anyone. Can't, can't trust, trust the anybody. Police, can't trust. The police can't trust each other. They yes. get the yeah, They're it. like, fuck you, David. Very untrustworthy. I was at your barbecue last week, Tommy. I don't give a fuck. Did you see my face, though? Did Mac you see my face? <laughs> <laughs> and your burgers were the worst. Uh, we love drama. Well, guys, until next time. And as Judd would say, Kis custodet, ipsos custodes. We don't speak Latin, so hopefully that was right. You know what? You know what? If you got shit to say <laughs> about our accent, send it to us in an email. That's what we're giving you. <laughs> Who watches The Watchmen in Latin? See you this Sunday. Bye, bitches. Bye. <laughs>